Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's just you and me for this podcast as we begin the Leftovers rewatch. But before we get any further, all I can say to you is, I get the Pope. But Gary fucking Busey? My name is Justin Hamilton, and you're listening to Big Squid. to do this rewatch for over a year now but there are a few things that worked against us first it's just difficult to arrange guests on a regular basis for a tv show that runs for 28 episodes people are busy people are doing their own things just as you'd lock someone in someone else fell out uh, it's also a difficult series to find as well like it's not really on anything that's easily accessed especially if you have uh, issues with Foxtel so that makes sense it's also difficult to find on Blu-ray etc so trying to line up some of the people was uh, you know on top of all of the things they're already doing was quite tricky and then COVID happened and All plans went out the window as friends scattered to the winds and we all tried to do with 2020. And so I put the leftovers on the back burner. But I don't know about you, but in the past few months I've noticed it was coming up in conversations more than it had ever done before. I've had people saying, oh, I'm watching this series, The Leftovers. Have you heard of it? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, (laughs) I love this series. I love this series more than anything. And I find it fascinating because when I started watching this, I didn't know anyone who was watching it. Not one person. And not only that, I didn't even know anyone who'd heard of it. So when I described what the show was about, (laughs) people would react to me like I was talking in wingdings. So I watched this week to week and the only sort of companionship I had is that I would read the recaps by TV critic Alan Seppenwall which are just as beautifully written as the series. If you can be bothered looking 
them up. Uh, I think they're at Up Rocks. Uh, they're just gorgeous. He really got the series and uh, helped flesh out a lot of my ideas or reflected a lot of things that I was thinking at the time. So I was totally into them. By the time I finally found some people who were watching it, which was around season two, I think, it was a TV series that spoke very directly to certain people. And it tapped into a specific milieu that a group of us were experiencing. And because it spoke directly to us, we all became evangelical in our love for the show. I was a bit of a pusher. I'd try to push it onto people, but uh, not much success (laughs) back in the day. So now after the pandemic and the success of Watchmen, The Leftovers feels like it's beginning to find a new life. Not mainstream, but people are suddenly going, oh, well, I liked Watchmen. What else is there by these people? And just as The Wire before it, The Leftovers didn't win any awards, wasn't even nominated for things like Emmys or Golden Globes, and is very difficult to watch one episode to understand what it's about. I don't know if you know this about award ceremonies and the people that vote on them, but rarely do they watch all the series. They just watch one episode and go, oh, right, okay, well, that's pretty amazing. And just like The Wire, you can't just show one episode to really show exactly what the rest of the series is like. But also like The Wire, you can feel the influence of the show creeping into other people's work. And even though they're completely different genres, I put them on the same pedestal of excellence. Uh, The difference for me is that The Leftovers has an amazing pilot, and I think it quite possibly finishes on its best episode. Or if it's not its best episode, it's its equal best. Anyway, that's how I feel about this series. Now, before we get into it, for this rewatch, I'm going to eschew intricate recaps and too much guessing about storylines and try to uncover the different emotional levels to the series that will help you remember what you loved about it in the first place or help you articulate what you might be experiencing for the first time. I might have some guests in latter episodes, but for the most part, it's just going to be you and me doing this together. I'm going to interweave some personal stories throughout this too, so you can get a view into why it resonated with me so much. And I'm just really looking forward to this. This series means a lot to me, and uh, therefore that's why I wanted to share it with you. All right, let's get into it. On October 14, 2% of the world's population disappears. There are no signs, no warnings, they just vanish into thin air. Three years later, the residents of Mapleton, New York, debate the validity of a day named Heroes Day that is considered a tribute to the local departed. Police Chief Kevin Garvey does his best to maintain a sense of normalcy in the strained community. At home, he attempts to connect to his disengaged daughter, Jill, and contact his son, Tom, who has gravitated to a cult led by the charismatic Holy Wayne. Meanwhile, a new cult has appeared in Mapleton called the Guilty Remnant. This group of chain-smoking men and women silently stake out the town, attempting to bring more people to their cause. One of their members, Laurie, comes into contact with a young woman called Meg. This tightly wound community is ready to burst, and it looks like Kevin will be unable to stop the chain of events that are about to happen. Welcome to the world of The Leftovers. Hold on. Press it in with a pen or something. Start back up. Okay, I'm going to make some for me. Honey. It's okay, baby. Can you make the formula? I'm going to be home in 10, 
Sam? again for the world to mourn the departed disappearance of two percent of the world's population none of them are coming back yeah probably not so many of our loved ones were lost three years ago we still wonder where they went and why some bad shit's coming and there's no getting around it. Grace period's over. Time to go to work. Where did they come from? What do they want? You don't even know who they are. The ones that witnessed it, who were actually there, they just snap. They just go primal, man. Same thing's gonna happen to us. It's just taking longer. Get out of that car right now! Stop that car! I saw what you did! What do you want? Why the fuck are you following them? Everywhere! They're gonna come, and when they do, somebody's gonna get hurt. back at a time and realise you were in a dark place. My last couple of years in Melbourne were very unhappy times and I really couldn't put my finger on it for ages. It was very strange. I don't know if I would have told you I was unhappy at the time, but I definitely was. As some of you may have heard me talk about before on this podcast, my friend Richard Fardler told me in my early 30s to look out for my mental health, especially when I turned 40. He'd had some experiences watching his friends struggle, and I always kept it in the back of my head as something to keep an eye on. But 40 was great, and it wasn't until 41 that the darkness began to creep in. I didn't know it at the time, but it was a growing discontentment with my life that this was all life had to give, and maybe the opportunities to continue to grow and learn were now beyond me. We'll delve more into these thoughts in later episodes, but suffice to say, in 2014, This time in my life was inarticulate and shapeless with little direction. As you can imagine, when The Leftovers pilot aired, this felt like a TV show aimed straight at me. The reason I watched that first episode was because I loved Lost, including the ending, and think the angry discourse about the finale was, for the most part, incorrect and blabbered by people who hadn't watched the series all the way through, or, you know, just wanted to join the Zeke guys and be cruel for cruelty's sake. When Damon Lindelof made the joke on Twitter that he created loss and he didn't even know what was going on, people took this to be a fact and not a self-deprecating gag. 
The lesson I learned from that moment was don't make jokes at your own expense online because there's a lot of dumb people out there who just don't get it. The first thing that hit me with this rewatch was that it was much darker than I remembered. I never found the series to be depressing or overly dark. I found it to be life-affirming and inspiring, especially as it wore on into the next two seasons. And for the life of me, couldn't understand why some people would find it to be too dark for their liking. Watching it here in 2021, uh, maybe I get it to a certain extent. We open with a mother losing her baby, a young boy crying about his lost parent, and a car crash. Over the course of the episode, we are witness to two types of cults, a nihilistic teenage party, we see our hero shooting dogs while possibly imagining he has a friend there who's shooting with him. Yeah, no, I get it. It's uh, some pretty dark shit. But let me also push back on this. For starters, I hate shows that have a great premise, but don't lean into the logical steps that idea would take. Wouldn't a world where people disappear inspire a gathering like Heroes Day with a ribbon to represent it and a gaudy statue as a reminder? Wouldn't there be people who pushed back at the notion of them being heroes, as the preacher Matt does, handing out pamphlets? Wouldn't there be an existential mood that would infect everybody? There'd be people doubting their sanity, people joining cults to look for answers, teenagers delving into rebellious behaviour that explored the darkness of their times. One of the most telling scenes in the pilot, it's sort of like a small moment that represents how many of the characters feel. It's, it's just such a beautiful bit of acting as well. It's when we see the look on Meg's face as her fiancé sings and her eyes are far away with unknown thoughts. Thoughts he doesn't even recognise because he's doing something she once thought was pretty cute. Even when she smiles and laughs at him, there is a melancholy to her actions. It isn't a surprise that by the end of the episode she has joined the guilty remnant. Liv Tyler. Amazing. All the way through this series. So when people think the show is too dark, I think it just reflects a lot of what society feels, but doesn't feel comfortable in engaging with. They don't feel like having this conversation. We would much rather blame what's going on over there to maybe look inwards and discover that there's something broken inside. There isn't weakness in saying that you're not complete, that there's something that needs to be fixed. There's actually a lot of strength in that. But it's just something that we we don't hear that uh, often out in public. We don't hear it in TV shows. Mate, I just want to watch a TV show and have a good time. Why are you depressing me, mate? But for me, The Leftovers isn't just entertainment or just a TV show. It is is a piece of art that's forcing you to engage and have a conversation. In a world that deals with COVID, the existential dread that permeates this show is more pronounced and at the forefront of our everyday life than ever before. But to find catharsis, you need to start at the bottom and work your way towards the light. The Leftovers begins right at the bottom. Beginning with Kevin Garvey, played wonderfully by Justin Theroux, a really interesting character whose flaws are present in just about every scene. He has anger issues, he's struggling at home, he's haunted by thoughts we aren't privy to yet, and he's possibly hallucinating, maybe going a little mad. 
Yet I love Kevin because he's vulnerable. His issues are commonplace and the way he tries to deal with them are recognisable. And I have to say, Theroux is also one of the best actors when it comes to swearing. He's really good. Actually, everyone on the show is really good at swearing. It isn't a skill all actors can master. When we meet Laurie, she has joined the Guilty Remnant, and even though she's a part of something, you can tell she's still looking for purpose. We don't know for most of this episode that she is Kevin's wife. So the moment at Hero's Day, when he pulls her to safety without making eye contact, and she looks at him with such a fascinating glance, is lost on us in that particular moment, but has much more resonance in hindsight. I'll talk about that scene a little bit towards the end of this podcast. We also meet Tom, who has found solace in another cult, one that follows Holy Wayne. Obviously struggling with his mum leaving for the guilty remnant and witnessing the suicide of two fellow students, he's left his family and gone looking for somewhere to belong, for something to believe in. Yet his underwater screams suggest that he is a long way from finding any peace in his life. Finally, there's Jill. She's disaffected and her darker sense of humour hilariously scares off her crush. Every time I watch that scene, I laugh. But she is as lost as anyone, looked after by a dad that she can't relate to, looking around at a world where she doesn't know really where she fits in. These are very much the feelings that a lot of teenagers go through, but imagine them all just full of steroids after what's happened with the sudden departure. In some ways, though, she is the most connected to herself. She recognises that things are fucked up and can't pretend that there are any answers. She can drop a magnificent C-bomb early in the episode. But also, there's a lot of empathy to her and she feels a need to bury the poor dead dog Dudley, oh, Dudley, that she finds in the back of her father's car. She also has Amy, her friend who keeps her grounded to a certain extent, a character who isn't afraid to talk about what she is witnessing in front of her. This is all intense stuff, but I think that the pilot is really funny too. Who doesn't enjoy the sad clown sitting on the sidewalk as he's rejected by everyone? If you find the fact that not only did Gary Busey disappear, but also the Pope, Shaquille O'Neal, J-Lo and the whole cast of Perfect Strangers funny then I think you get what is going on here. If you don't find it funny, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can't even explain why it's funny. It just makes me laugh every time I think about it. When I describe the show to people... Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. If I tell them 
and Gary Busey's disappeared and they laugh, I know they're going to get it. But if they look at me as if to say, why Gary Busey or who's Gary Busey, eh, maybe this isn't going to connect for you. But these are the little touches that I love. These are the little touches that stop it from being too far inward looking and also kind of realising that even though this is a full-on premise, there is still humour in it. Just as there is still humour in the world, even now, even with everything we've gone through, especially here in Australia from the bushfires through to COVID. And I know on this day that I'm recording this, Melbourne's about to go into another five-day lockdown and that is going to be stressful and there's going to be a lot going on with it. There is still humour in the world and there is still humour in this world and that's important to remember. I also love the fact that the people we follow didn't lose anyone to the departure. Everyone could literally talk to each other, but don't. You can lose touch with people even when they're standing right in front of you. This also implies that people may have already lost touch with those who disappeared well before that fateful day. The Guilty Remnant are perfect antagonists for this series in our times. Their passive-aggressive approach to haunting individuals changes into outright aggressiveness as a pack. Sure, they don't fight back, but the actual act itself is aggressive. It's there to provoke a feeling. They're there to remind people, well, you can't move on. How are you moving on? The world ended. We're remembering. It's that holier than thou, that righteousness that we see play out even today on social media, in the real world. Oh, they're just great. You become so used to their silent approach. It is an Absolute shock when Patty speaks at the end. Everyone raves about Anne Dowd in The Handmaid's Tale, but her work here paves the way for that performance. And even though the guilty remnant can look silly to us, you can also see their power and how they would influence a character like Meg, disconnected from her fiancé, to come looking for answers. Holy Wayne also provides his own answers and whether he has mystical powers or the ability to apply a placebo effect on those who need it, he does appear to have some results. But his predilection for young girls of a certain race suggests a charlatan at work. Or maybe he's just as crazy as everyone else and this is how his madness has manifested. That is the interesting thing about this pilot. There are plenty of people for us to look at and judge But we do know they've just experienced something beyond their control. Who didn't act differently through their own COVID lockdown? We all went peculiar in our own ways, whether it was a meltdown or a refusal to engage or everything in between, or maybe you just went super positive. Like, even that's peculiar, right? And that's okay. It's okay to be peculiar. But you have to be present. And all of these characters are trying to find answers in their own way. Without having any answers, it also means that the series can delve into ideas and suggestions without being tied to genre. They state right from the beginning, you're never going to know what happened to the people who disappeared or why. And that makes sense. Like that opens up, that opens up the series in a way that allows it to be whatever it wants to be to each individual. If you want it to be a bit supernatural, it can be a bit supernatural. If you want it to be all psychological, you can have it be all psychological. Kevin's having weird dreams and then waking up with his kitchen totaled. 
Is he having issues with his sanity? Is he possessed? Or is something possessing him from afar? These lack of definitive answers is part of the power of the leftovers. You're always wondering if there is something supernatural just around the corner. And there has to be something, right? Like there has to be even just a taste of the supernatural because 2% of the world's population just disappeared. There has to be something, right? Or maybe it is just science. Maybe we're living in a computer simulation and there was just a little glitch on someone's computer in a higher universe. Maybe we're a Sims. Maybe we are a Sims and someone forgot to save when, it, when his computer crashed. Right, that's insane, right? But also thinking that it's ghosts or something like that, that's insane. And this is the world that these characters live in. And that's what makes it uh, so rich. Back in 2014, in a world that was still two years away from a Trump administration and the bubbling hatred of the internet hadn't quite boiled over yet, although it was close, there wasn't any unifying experience to help us relate to one another. I couldn't explain to the people around me why I felt the way I did, what I was worried about in the future, why I felt disconnected from the world I lived in. But I knew something wasn't right. And watching this show felt like somewhere out there were some people who felt the same way, the people who made it and the people who were watching it and relating to it and enjoying it. That is why I love The Leftovers. That is why it is the most important TV series I have experienced and it is why I think it led me to a creative and emotional catharsis a few years later. I'm going to keep these episodes short. I don't want to bang on too much. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to discuss them. And I just want to give you uh, just a bit of a taste of where I'm at with these uh, episodes in particular in each season. And as we go along, we'll, we'll build on stuff. We'll delve into Nora, Matt, Meg. There's more characters to come. But uh, we'll leave this bit here now and we'll do some squid bits. But for now, let's just finish with this part. The creators stated they'll never solve the mystery of where the departed went. And I was, as I said, locked into this idea from the beginning. Because it didn't matter if it was religious or scientific or a mix of both. I didn't have time to wonder where they went because I was so engaged with the people who were left behind and the world they had to do their best to make sense of. Okay, here are some squid bits for you. Uh, I'm going to change squid bits just a little bit. It'll be some facts, etc, etc, but it will also be uh, just some thoughts that didn't really fit into uh, the main piece that I'll write for each episode. Uh, if you've never read the graphic novel series Why the Last Man, a story about everything with a Y chromosome dying except for one man and his helper monkey, great premise, right? Uh, the opening page of that comic reminds me a lot of the opening to The Leftovers. The author of the comic, Brian K. Vaughan, worked on Lost for a bit, so I'm guessing Lindelof would be aware of this opening and I would love to know if it had any influence on his work. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to speak to him at some point. That is not a promise. That is not me putting it out there and uh, to, to tease you. But it is me putting it out there in case for some reason someone says, hey, Cole Hamo. And tell him if he's right with that. (laughs) 
Uh, the scene where Kevin is running in his tracksuit pants became an online sensation to such an extent that Ellen DeGeneres brought it up to a very embarrassed Justin Theroux on her show. Keep that in mind because the size of his appendage inspires a very funny moment many, many episodes later, all the way down to season three. If there were ever going to make a spin-off of this show, like their version of Better Call Saul, can I put in all the votes for the twins? <laughs> I love the twins in this show. They're just such beautiful guys. There's just an honesty to them. I really love them. And if there was a, a spin-off show where maybe it was the twins and Amy uh, traveling through a world uh, in uh, post-sudden departure wasteland, I would... I'd be totally into that. That was the author of the book, The Leftovers, Tom Perotta, who unveiled that awful statue at the memorial. If you read the book, or if you haven't read the book, I should say, you will find differences, uh, including uh, in the book, Jill's hair is shaved, Kevin is the mayor, the guilty remnant leave the memorial parade unharmed after they hold up their signs, Kevin wants Jill and Amy to go to the memorial, but they refuse. And a man who lives in a tent out the front of his burned-out house loses his mind and shoots a few dogs. Turns out the book might be pretty dark too. Uh, The actress who loses her baby at the beginning and returns in the end bar scene is completely underrated. Her name is Natalie Gold. And remember that character for later on. Uh, We also find out more about Kevin's father running naked through the night. That one part of the episode felt like it was from a horror movie, didn't it? And it adds to the uneasiness that infects the story being told. Uh, Once again, that's a character that we'll get into a little bit later. I just had an idea. Let's keep a running tally of this. Let's keep a running tally of the moments that brought me to tears. To be honest, I can't quite remember what they were when I first watched them, or not for most of the episodes. But we'll do, uh, we'll, we'll do a, a, a tear update, a teary update uh, for this rewatch. And it's uh, from a scene I've already mentioned. It's the look on Laurie's face when she looks up at Kevin at the memorial and he's trying to protect her. <sighs> Amy Brenneman is amazing in this. She's so good. And, you know, just remember... She is conveying all of these emotions and not saying anything. Why, how, how does that not get nominated? Like, what is going on? What world do we live in? <laughs> I love her. And uh, Laurie is a fascinating character. One of Tom Perotta's initial inspirations uh, for this book was while he was writing his novel, The Abstinence Teacher, he was reading about evangelical culture. When he discovered that thousands and thousands of Americans believe they'll experience the rapture in their lifetime, he thought, what if it did happen? And he then tweaked the idea by making it random, so it is a challenge to Christians as well. So while everyone else is kind of freaking out, there's those who believe in the rapture who are still here wondering what the hell's going on. And that one choice gives us the character of Matt and his character arc. Christopher Eccleston is fantastic. Once again, more on Matt in the upcoming episodes. When putting the show together, Lindelof told Parada how much he loved the scene in the novel where Nora is riding along and a guy is sacrificing a goat. 
Brodder said he had a whole chapter about dogs that witnessed the departure who ran away into the woods, and Lindelof became obsessed with it. If you hate the dog stuff, at least you know how it came about. But once again, this is what I was talking to you about when they've come up with a great premise. So logically, what happens in that world? And a dog walking along with its master who just disappears. Animals have always been, I don't know how you describe it, cognizant of a world that we don't really understand. And the idea that they would go crazy really works for me. By the way, I'm like you. I'm not into watching dogs get shot. It's harrowing, but you know. Sometimes you watch things and... To be honest, I'd rather feel stressed watching a TV show than feel stressed in the real world. Maybe I I can work through it here on my lounge. I can stress eat (laughs) while I'm watching it. The novel The Stranger by Albert Camus is considered one of the leading examples of existentialism and absurdism. In 1955, Camus wrote, I summarised The Stranger a long time ago with a remark I admit was highly paradoxical. In our society, any man who does not weep at his mother's funeral runs the risk of being sentenced to death. I only meant that the hero of my book is condemned because he doesn't play the game. Camus rejected the existentialist tag, though, and lent more into life being absurd, and how once we accept that as a fact, then we are set free. We strive for meaning in the world, and in turn, the world responds with meaningless tragedies and a series of actions that make little sense, especially for those who seek justice in everything. If you accept the world as absurd, it arouses a revolt that can become fruitful. And to finish the squid bits part of the show, a question for you. What do you think the deer represents? I have my theories but I'd like to hear yours as well. Head over to our Facebook page and drop us a message with your thoughts. You can either just go to the open one or if you want to join the conversation aspect, it's by invite only, but everyone's welcome and we can start a leftovers thread there so we can speak freely and not have to worry about spoilers. Just like the series for me is a conversation, I want to have a conversation with you and I want to hear what you think. And that brings us to the end of our first Leftovers episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself and that you're ready to join me for the rest of the episodes. Whether you're watching for the first time, watching for the hundredth time, or just happy to hear me bang on about a show you've never heard of before. I've got a guest coming up in uh, in a maybe uh, next week who had never heard of it. And uh, there is... There is a moment where I give them a mock response of of being horrified. But I'm joking. But between you and me, I'm not. I am horrified. <laughs> but uh, we will get the next one out uh, as soon as I get an opportunity on top of our normal episodes. Uh, just so you know, I found a lot of online information that went into this from the writings of Alan Seppenwall. Uh, his work, just so beautiful already said where you can find it so if you want to go looking for uh, more on the leftovers his stuff is brilliant uh also there was a piece about albert camus by the journalist scotty hendrix and uh 
that was uh, God. What was that sign? I've lost my notes. Oh, anyway, uh, if you type in Scotty Hendricks, Albert Camus, he's got a nice piece online. It's from twenty twenty one, and that will help you. Uh, and I haven't read the book in ages, uh, and I was reminded by the differences in the book from the site that was not in the book dot com, and I think that might be actually quite a fun site to uh, look up other things as well. Uh, Well, other movies and other TV shows that were based on books. You know what I mean. Anyway, uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a nice review or rating on whichever platform you use. Word of mouth is actually the best way to build an audience, so please share us with your like-minded friends. We've talked a lot about Albert Camus towards the end here, so let's leave with a quote from the Big AC. In the depth of winter, I finally learned that within me there lay an invincible summer. It feels like it sums up the leftovers in many, many ways. Until then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.